Hi, Hilton Head Island Community Church. This is Stan Thomas, uh, pastor at the Gallery Church of Manhattan. Uh, we just want to say a big thank you to you guys for coming alongside of us and partnering uh, with our church because of your faithful giving, prayer, and support. Uh, we are able as a church to do summer in Chelsea. We're able to do this event. We're able to serve our neighborhood, which by the way, a year ago, was not even a dream of ours that like, this would even be possible so you guys your giving your love your support has made this possible and on behalf of the gallery all of us here in new york city we want to say thank you so much isn't that cool that is uh stan thomas as he said, he's the pastor of the Gallery Church in Manhattan up in New York City. And uh, it was really cool. We had a team that went up there. And they're, they're a new partner for us uh, this past year. And we had a team of people that went up there. There's our team that went up. And um, the, the really neat thing is, is that these people from your church, from Hilton Head Island Community Church, uh, they served behind the scenes in a great way. They, they were behind the scenes. You could probably hear the, the generator uh, in the background there. Uh, they, were, uh, you know, they were the ones that were cooking hot dogs. I know Bob Kalemi did a lot of that. Uh, they were the ones that were cooking hot dogs, and uh, they um, did a construction project to help out the church there. Um, there they are with the, uh, the food pantry that they, they do each week there at the church. Um, and there's Bob doing some art for the kids. Um, and, and these folks served from Hilton Head Island in Chelsea, in New York City, and they did it behind the scenes. They did it for no other reason um, than to serve this church called the Gallery Church. And I am so thankful for the group of people who were able to go up to New York. And um, they really are a great example of what it means to serve with no strings attached. And uh, that is something that we here at Hilton Head Island Community Church place a high value on. In fact, today we're kicking off this brand new series called No Strings Attached. And what we're going to learn throughout this series is uh, what I believe was Jesus's way of, of serving his community in his culture, in his time. And I think what he did is he laid the groundwork as a model for, for the way that we should serve. Um, this, I believe, is probably one of the most important message series uh, that we've had in a long time in terms of us as a church understanding the culture and the DNA of, of what I believe that God has given us the vision for as a church. And we have a lot of opportunities to, to serve and to reach our community for Christ. Um, we've just come out of a, um, yet four years in a row, a, a hurricane um, that uh, we're so thankful didn't hit us like the past ones have. And we're going to be praying about that. And we're going to be talking about that at the end of the service today. Um, but even yesterday, we had teams of people that went around um, and they served without like any fanfare, without any like, um, uh, you know, any like, you know, uh, kudos coming their way. They, they did it with no strings attached. And church, I believe that's the kind of service that Jesus talked about all throughout the scripture. It's the kind of service that he modeled. And I believe it's the kind of serving our community that we should have, that we should have with no strings attached. And so today we're kicking off this message series. And the title of today's message is Expect Nothing. 
And I know that that is something that is so counterintuitive. It's counterculture. It goes against the grain of everything that we know as people because society says and our culture says that we should expect everything. And that is true in terms of our own resources, in terms of our investments, but it's also in terms of even sometimes the people we serve that we should expect something in return. And I think what we're going to see today from Luke chapter 14 is an example of how we're supposed to serve and maybe more importantly, why we're supposed to serve. So if you have your Bibles today, you can turn to Luke chapter 14 today. If you don't have your Bibles, totally no problem. Uh, The passage will be on the screen. Now, um, this is really great. Jesus did something that was so incredibly unique, um, especially in his day and age. Um, He often used stories to communicate a truth about Scripture or a truth about himself or a truth about what God was doing in history in terms of redeeming mankind. He would often use stories, and these stories would would communicate one of those truths. And the stories were called parables, and today we're going to look at um, maybe one of my favorite parables, one of my favorite stories that Jesus told to communicate a truth. And so before we dive in, let's pray and let's ask God to bless our time together and to bless the reading of his word. Would you pray with me this morning? Father God, we just give you today, and as we embark on this message series right in the midst of us kind of um, remembering and maybe being reminded or, or encouraged once again to maybe get back to the roots of how and why we serve and how and why we serve you. God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would be with us today. God, as we search your word for truth, I pray that the truth giver would lead us into knowledge and wisdom Holy Spirit, may you be in this place. May you investigate our lives. May you pierce our hearts. May you have our minds and our attention in the midst of this busy, made busier because of the events of this past week's season to focus on what you have to teach us this morning. Be with us now as we turn to your word, and may you bless our time together. In Jesus' name I pray, amen, amen. I'm going to read this passage, but we're not going to read it straight through. I'm going to read bits and pieces of it, and we'll talk, we'll stop, and we'll talk, and we'll kind of stop and study and, and discern from, from um, God's Holy Spirit what Jesus was trying to communicate here in this great parable. Luke chapter 14, 7 through 24. Now, he told a parable to those who were invited when he noticed how they chose the places of honor. Uh, There was a dinner party, and Jesus was noticing how they would choose the places of honor. And so he told this story to try to communicate something of humility. He said to them, in verse 8, When you are invited by someone to a wedding feast, do not sit down in a place of honor, lest someone more distinguished than you be invited by him. I love that right out of the gates, man. Jesus is just like cutting right down to the chase. He's like, there might be, possibly might be someone who's more important than you. So be careful where you sit at the table when you're invited to a party. He says, when you're, um, uh, verse nine, and, and he who invited you both will come and say to you, give your place to this person, and then you will begin with shame to take the lowest place. 
But when you are invited, go and sit in the lowest place so that when your host comes, he may say to you, friend, move up higher. Then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at the table with you. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Now, one thing I want to clear up here, I had someone say to me, man, this sounds like Jesus is trying to just communicate etiquette about how we should act at a dinner party, okay? That is not what Jesus is doing here. He's not trying to create, uh, like, etiquette. He's not trying to communicate some kind of, like, table manners at a really fancy party, right? Jesus here is trying to communicate something about humility, And he's communicating to us that if we approach ourselves, if we come from a place of believing and thinking that we are deserving of honor, that that whole thing will be flipped on its head and we might actually be dishonored because we may become embarrassed because we are dishonored. And Jesus is trying to communicate to us that we as his people should begin from a foundational basis place of humility first and foremost. And then, because of that, we will be honored. Now, we say these types of things in church, and we have a bit of a, you know, like, yeah, no duh, Todd kind of approach to it, right? But I want you to stop and think about how different this is than what culture teaches us. This is radically different than what the world tells us. The world tells us that we should do everything that we can to assume honor, to assume power, to assume authority, to assume the best seat at any environment that we're in. And we're taught to even fight against others for that. And Jesus takes that whole idea and turns it on his head. And he says, those who are genuinely, truly humble will end up being honored. His goal for us is that we operate from a place of humility as opposed to a place of honored knowing that we will be honored from him regardless of whether or not we're honored from the world. And so he's, he's creating this idea that humility is what we ought to be pursuing. But I want you to take a look at verse 12, because I think verse 12 may be the whole key in this whole parable. It may be the whole key in this story that he's communicating. He said also to the man, verse 12, he said also to the man who had invited him, when you give a dinner or a banquet, do not invite your friends or your brothers, or your relatives, or rich neighbors, lest they also invite you in return and you be repaid. I want to read that verse again. He said also to the man who had invited him, when you give a dinner, he says, when you give a dinner or a banquet, do not invite your friends, or your brothers, or your relatives, or your rich neighbors, lest they also invite you in return and you be repaid. Now, um, there, there are times in Scripture where we see God's people and even Jesus interacting with people who are friends and brothers and rich neighbors. 
several instances come to mind, one of which is um, when the uh, people of God, the people of the first church and Paul were shipwrecked, they, they interacted with someone on an island um, who was a governor. And they interacted with someone who had great power. Jesus interacted with people of great power, right? But in this story, he's trying to communicate something, and he mentions three groups of people. He says, friends and brothers and rich neighbors. And I love that he chose those three groups of people because when we have an event, when we have a party, when we have something that we actually, you know, want people to attend, we're going to go after what they used to call in sales when I was in sales, the lowest hanging fruit, right? And if you have a party and you're afraid that no one is going to come, who will you invite? You're going to invite your friends and your brothers, and probably some rich neighbors, because that's going to be a pretty good party, right? That's going to be a pretty good banquet, and you can be assured that some of those people might actually show up. But what Jesus is trying to say here is that each group of people in the friends, brothers, and rich neighbors group, they have something to give you in return. And I love that he says in that verse at the end, he says, lest they also invite you in return and you be repaid. In other words, your invitation to the party of anyone like this has the potential of benefiting you in return. And he's using these groups of people to point out that they do have the opportunity. They do have the means. There's something intrinsically inherent in friends and brothers and rich neighbors that they have the opportunity. They have the resources. They have the motive to be able to give you something as a token of thanks for your invitation, inviting them to the party. And Jesus clearly says here, don't do that. Now listen, I want to say this. It may be selfless on your part to invite your friends and your brothers and your rich neighbors. It might even be a kind gesture. It might even be the right thing to do. Maybe you have friends who have never attended a banquet or a party, right? Like maybe you have a brother or a sister or a family member, a relative in mind, that you're like, man, they really need to go to this nice party, and I'm going to invite them. You might have a rich neighbor that like no one has reached out to, and it may be something that is kind and is generous and is something that's driven from a place of love. But what's at issue here is not necessarily the who. Jesus is not trying to say that we should ignore those people. He's trying to get at something deeper. He's trying to go to the next level. And he's trying to get at your motive as to your why, to my motive as to my why. Why are we reaching out to invite them? And Jesus is suggesting that in terms of reaching people, of serving people, of of inviting people in, whether it's into our world or whether it's serving them, That if we are doing it for anything that has any gain for us, that perhaps our motives are off base. And as Jesus is so good at doing, he doesn't just give the negative, but he gives the positive. In verse 13, he goes on and he says, But when you give a feast, 
Invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you. For you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. Jesus here is doing something so interesting. He's pushing us to a point of going past the who, and he wants us to consider the why. He wants us to look at our motives in serving. And part of the reason I began with Stan's thank you to our church is we had a group of people that traveled up to New York City to be behind the scenes, to cook hot dogs, to serve by building a little bit of an area that would create some area for kids for their church to paint pictures so that the kids could have a focus, to be able to focus on. It was all done behind the scenes. You see, Jesus in verse 13 is not saying that we should only reach out to the poor and the crippled and the lame or the blind. Other people can do that. Other people will do that. He's not trying to make a distinction. In fact, that's not even the point at all. He's not trying to make a distinction among people. He's telling us that we ought to reach out to everyone always. But what he's trying to do is, is he's trying to make a distinction in terms of our motives. Why do we serve? Why do we do what we do? Why are we reaching out? Why would you stop in the middle of your day cleaning up your yard and go serve someone else? Why would you do that? He's trying to make a distinction in terms of of our motive. He's trying to test why we do what we do. Take a look at verse 15. When one of those who reclined at the table with him heard these things, he said to him, said to Jesus, blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. And then I love this illustration gets even better in verse 16. He said to him, a man once gave a great banquet. Jesus is on his banquet kick in terms of his stories. I love this. And he invited many. And at the time for the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, come, for everything is now ready. And I love this, verse 18. Put yourself in the place of the one that he's talking about here. But they all alike began to make excuses. Have you ever invited someone to something and you, you got a bunch of excuses in return? I'm in church work. It happens all the time. Sorry, I said that. It's true, though. Okay. The servants came back and, and, uh, from, from visiting all those who had been invited, and, and um, they, they said, come, for everything is ready. But they all, like, began to make excuses. The first, this is verse 18, said to him, I've bought a field, and I must go out, and I must see it. Please have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I go to examine them. Please have me excused. Excused, And another said, I have married a wife and therefore I cannot come. <laughs> That's in there, okay? I just want to point out that wasn't my added commentary, all right? This is Jesus. And that guy's in trouble if it ever gets back to his wife, right? Yeah, you used me for an excuse, really? Are you serious? I love this. The field, the oxen. And the wife are used as an excuse to not come to the banquet to a party of someone who has means to truly, truly bless someone. And they're making excuses. 
They're making excuses as to why they shouldn't come. Verse 21, so the servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house became angry and he said to his servant, go out quickly to the streets and the lanes of the city and bring in the poor and the crippled and the blind and the lame. And the servant said, sir, what you commanded me has been done and still there is room And the master said to the servant, go out to the highways and the hedges and compel people to come in that my house may be, what's that next word? Filled. For I tell you, none of these men who were invited shall taste of my banquet. Do you sense a righteous anger there with the one who sent out the invitations and he got the excuse that I've got a new field and I've got a new oxen and I guess that's how you say that, and a new wife and I can't come to the party? Do you sense that righteous anger, a righteous frustration? And I love, I love, I love in verse 23 when he says, go out to the highways into the hedges and compel people to come in that my house may be filled. What Jesus is doing through this is he's beginning with this basis of of teaching us to start from a place of humility. And then he's teaching us and and pushing us to, to really take a look at why we serve, why we do what we do. Why you individually, why, why I individually, why we collectively as a church serve our community and serve our world. He's pushing us to this point. And then at the end, he's saying, go beyond just your initial thought. Go beyond the lowest hanging fruit and consider that we have something extremely valuable for someone to partake of and go beyond what you could possibly imagine and reach those who may not normally be reached. And in doing so, Jesus is teaching the church why and how and who we should be about serving. He says to them, that my house may be filled, that my house may be filled. I want you to look around this morning, look next to you, to the right and to the left. Look to the right and to the left, look up, look back, if you want to turn around. Um, We have a pretty full crowd this morning, don't we? Part of it may be because you know that the next service has now moved to 11 o'clock, and you're like, yeah, I'm not going that late. Some of you may have come because we got coffee, and now we have donuts, and that's awesome. That's part of why we did what we did, right? But if you look around, there are seats, right? There's chairs. There's a lot of chairs in here. And I've had people tell me before, man, you know, I love coming to Hilton Head Island Community Church because, like, we're small. You don't know how, like, as a pastor, I know that is very meaningful and genuine, and I get what you're saying. I really do. But I'm like, man, I don't want to be small. Now I know what you're going to say to me as I greet you at the door. Like, hey, I love the church because it's small. Listen, I want you to hear this, church. If we, if we as, as God's people in this community, settle for small, 
we're totally disregarding what Jesus called us to do. This place should be packed every Sunday. Just like Jesus was trying to communicate about this man who was hosting a party. Not because the man at the party wanted his room or his house to be full. Not because he wanted all the accolades on himself. No, in fact, just the opposite's true. Jesus is trying to communicate that we should really expect nothing in return. But listen, I want you to hear, church, that we have the answer for the greatest question that's ever been been considered and asked by a human and that is is what happens when we die and our job whether they come or not whether those empty seats are ever full or not our job is to serve our community and expect nothing in return how do we do that how do we learn to expect nothing in return when we love and serve others First, we've got to be aware of loving and serving others based on how it makes us feel. Be aware of of how loving and serving others makes us feel. I think the question to ask is, is, do I look for someone to take notice when I love or serve them? Now, when we ask that question at at first, we we probably respond, no, no, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't. I really don't want any accolades. And then we get done with the service project, whether it's cooking hamburgers for, for school teachers or whether it's um, blowing off someone's driveway when yours is not yet um, taken care of or whether it's um, you know, t- serving hot dogs for three straight hours, Bob, in, uh, in Chelsea on, on a hot New York day or, or, or whether it's serving back in Island Kids when you've been with your kids all week during a hurricane when there's no place for them to go. And we may think, no, I don't expect anything in return. And we, we, we turn our backs and we close the door and the service project is done. And we think, nobody said thank you. <laughs> nobody acknowledged that I was here. And we might not say it like that out loud, but maybe internally we do. We've got to be aware that sometimes loving and serving others may make us feel good and we may want secretly some accolades. We need to realize that there are some things that we, we do that um, you know, we get a lot of kudos from. We have a group of people that come and serve Backpack Buddies. Backpack Buddies is a great partner that we have that serves um, the, the, the kids on this island. Believe it or not, um, almost 50% of, of, of children on this island are in some kind of support program to be fed. Remarkable, isn't it? And we have people that come and, and do that. And there's a lot of, of great things about that. And you may feel good, but, but I'll tell you what's sometimes harder is serving in island kids. Because you may not get those accolades. It is helping Andrea out and Justin out with our student ministry and our kids' ministry knowing that you're never going to get anything in return, and it may not even make you feel good. Be aware of how loving and serving others makes us feel. Secondly, be cautious of how you love and serve others with regard to how it benefits you. Look, we live in a society and a culture where return on investment is everything, right? 
Isn't that right? You, you all know about this. You, you all are entrepreneurs. You, many of you used to have EX or CE or you know, whatever it, before your name. You know that return on investment is a big deal. In fact, for some of you, you were charged with the, the great work of, of having a return on your investment. But I want you to hear this. Um, church, Hilton Head Island, we, we, I'm just, I'm just going to say it. We live in a, in a culture um, that is really kind of like power hungry a little bit. Um, and we live in a community that can be that way too. Many of the people who live on this island kind of were successful and were maybe addicted or, or, or like totally committed to success. And you, you got here because of that. But, but I got to tell you that, that we can't serve people thinking about the return on our investment. We have to serve them expecting nothing in return. We have to serve them the way that Jesus did. I, I noticed, um, I drove around um, the day after the hurricane, um, and I drove around the next day, and I saw something so interesting. I saw one street where the neighbors, it was clear that the neighbors all came out and, and they had backpacks on and they were blowing off each other's driveways and they had brooms and that sort of thing. And um, there was this one guy that I, I watched him walk out of his garage and I drove back by later and he had blown off his driveway um, and he had blown off to the point in the street where his property would have ended. And he stopped right there and then he blew off to the other neighbor and he stopped right there and I watched him okay and I yeah I'm, I was judging okay I was and I watched him take his backpack off and go back inside I was like yeah I'm no I'm judging right now but come on like seriously you're not going to go five feet further it's the way we think sometimes and I think that way too so I gotta be careful not to judge him but we do that we do that only if I get something in return. Thirdly, be bold. Be bold in loving and serving those who are unlikely to be loved. They may be unlove, the, the unlovely to be reached, too unlovely to be reached, or unable to return the favor or repay the favor. We've got to think who are the people that we can serve that maybe no one else will. And those are the people we ought to go after, expecting nothing in return. Those are the people we ought to reach, expecting nothing in return. I'm reading, um, Bob Goff wrote a book, Love Does. Highly recommend it. It's a great author. Um, Cynthia uh, bought me a book um, uh, called Everybody Always that he just came out with this year. And I want to read um, just a short paragraph. Um, he, he says this. He's talking, the first chapter says um, uh, reaching people or loving people, loving the creepy people. Isn't that great? I love this. Bob Goff is a great author. He says this, and he's, he's evaluating himself. I love this. He says, it's easy to love kind, lovely, humble people. I mean, who wouldn't? These are the ones that I spent much of my life loving. Loving these people who are easy to love made me feel like I was really good at it. Because the people I loved were kind and wonderful. They made sure that they told me what a great job I was doing loving them. What I've come to realize, though, he says, is that, was that, that I was avoiding the people I didn't understand and the ones who lived differently than me. 
Sure, I was polite to them, but sadly, I've spent my whole life avoiding the people Jesus spent his whole life engaging. God's idea isn't that we just give and receive love, but that we, would, that we could actually become love. People who are becoming love see the beauty in others even when their off-putting behavior makes for, for um, uh, pretty, uh, pretty masks. What Jesus told his friends can be summed up this way. He wants us to love everybody always. That's where he gets the title of his book. And start with the people who creep us out. He says the truth is we probably creep them out as much as they do us. I love that. I love that. And we need to be careful to not be afraid to serve those who are different than us, who may be some of the outcasts. And when I see Jesus write, uh, give the message about the lame, when I see Luke write Jesus' parable about the lame and those who are crippled and those who are poor, I think what he's communicating to us is those people who would not necessarily be the easiest people to reach Maybe they're not kind, maybe they're not wonderful, maybe they're not lovely. And then fourth, be honest with yourself about whether or not you truly love people regardless of their response to your actions. I know that there are many people that we as a church will serve and they will never walk into this church. You know what we need to do, church? We need to serve them anyway. We need to serve them anyway. We need to especially serve them. We need, to, we need to really check our heart and make sure that we're doing it for the right reason. And the right reason is because he loved us. 1 John 4, 19 says that we love because he first loved us. And the question to ask is what needs to change in my heart so that I can truly understand how love and serving people the way that, uh, that we should love, and the way that I want to be served, the way that I want them to love and to serve me. Our mission at Hilton Head Island Community Church is to share the message of Jesus Christ and to lead people to follow him. But the bottom line for today, in terms of not in expecting anything, is that the first part of that mission, the sharing the message of Jesus, happens when we love and when we serve people expecting nothing in return. I don't know about you, church. I want to do that. I want to be a part of a church that's serious about loving people and expecting nothing in return. One of our partners, I want to close with this, sent us a letter this week. Um, Nanette Pearson. Um, many of you know Nanette. She is an amazing lady. She is the director of Sandalwood uh, Pantry Food, uh, food Pantry, Sandalwood Food Pantry. And uh, there's some pictures. Many of you serve Sandalwood Food Pantry. And I, I want to read this. She said, Todd, Cynthia, and the HHI leadership team. She says this, I am overwhelmed with this note of good news as this partnership has been one of our greatest blessings since 2014. Each year you bring God more joy in all you continue to do for our Sandalwood Community Food Pantry. That the leadership team of Hilton Head Island Community Church has decided to double your gift this year is an unexpected answer to our prayers as our rent is increasing by 40%, and this will allow us to, to breathe a little easier this coming year. We had no idea when we chose to do that 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 was happening with them. 
You share in your letter that you're thankful for the opportunity as a local church to partner with us. However, we are the ones who are so very grateful, truly humbled to be blessed to have you choose us to partner with. The yearly support for the Run for Hunger this past uh, four uh, runs, the, the Christmas tree giving, giving back to uh, school backpacks, and so much more have been a gift from God. Lastly, your church members have not only continued to volunteer throughout the year, but being nominated and elected as members of our board of directors. I love that. This is by far the most unexpected gift of all. And what, is said to me is, what it says to me is that you're lifting up the holy written word of God, preaching the good news in such a way that it inspires your members to move out of the church on Sunday. I love that. And come into our back roads and alleys where the most hungry remain, providing hope to so many who no longer believed hope was possible and joining us in nourishing the bodies, minds, and spirits of all who hunger because hunger continues to hurt. Besides the fact that she's an amazing author. <laughs> that was a great email to receive. And yes, I had a moment of pride when I received that. Not because I've done anything. I haven't. But because you all serve them so well. But I wonder if we never got a letter like this, would we continue to do it? I wonder if we never got a thank you from anyone we ever served in this community. Would we still do it? I wonder if you never got a pat on the back by me or one of our staff because you're serving in Island Kids and, and, and you may be serving in our community. Would we still do it? My prayer is and my hope is, is that we would still do it, church. Our community needs it. Our world needs it. The cause of Christ needs us to serve expecting nothing in return God thank you thank you so much for the great pleasure the great joy and the great opportunity that we as your people have to serve you in this community what a great honor it is and Father, I pray that you would be with each one of us. Holy Spirit, would you check our motives right now? Would you cause us to consider why we're serving? Are we doing it because it makes us feel better about ourselves? Are we doing it to receive a word of thank you or support or encouragement from someone else? Are we doing it because of some honor that we think that we're going to receive on this side of heaven? God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would check our hearts right now. And I'm just going to have you just in this moment. I'm just going to ask you just to be really honest with God. Because church, if, if we don't check our motives right now, if we don't really pause and let God's Holy Spirit to investigate our lives, if we do expect something in return in terms of serving, I don't believe that God will honor that. And right now, I want to encourage you just to be honest with God. Just be honest with Him in this moment. If you're in this place and maybe you've served in the past for any other reason other than just to serve and just 
for the fame of Jesus and for the furthering of his gospel. Would you just admit that to God? I know that I've had to do that over these last few days. I've had to be honest with the Lord and admit that there are times when my motive is not pure. My heart is not pure in this. So just take a moment in this silent moment and just give that to the Lord. God, would you take these confessions, these private prayers to you? God, would you take them and remove them like you say that you remove sin from as far as the east is from the west? God, may we be people who are pure at heart, not for my fame, not for the fame of this church, not for the fame of anything, not for even the fame of being a good human. God, may we do it with a purity of heart because we represent you. Help us to do that in the best way possible. May you honor our efforts. God, may you honor what we do to serve this community. And we give everything that we do as a church from this point forward as we serve our community, expecting nothing in return. Father God, I pray that you would take it and you use it for your good and your glory. We leave the results to you. And we can't wait to get out there and serve you today and the next day and the day after that and the months and years to come. Help us to do that with a purity of heart. In Jesus' name, I pray. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. I don't know about you. I'm incredibly thankful to God today. Because we've just come through what could have been a very, very absolutely. You can give God a hand this morning. I'm going to ask our staff and leaders to come up on stage. Um, our our um, elders, and uh, I've got an elder, one in particular, Jim, who's going to pray here in a moment. Um, I felt like today that we as a church needed to pause and, and pray and thank God. For protecting us. We've been through this four years in a row. It's almost too many to, like, I get confused, don't you? 2016, 17, 18, I don't know, it's somewhere in there, right? That we've had to evacuate, and God spared us. And we ought to be people who are grateful and thankful. But there are those who are suffering. There are those who are suffering uh, in North Carolina. There are those who are suffering who may be recovering for years or decades in the Bahamas. I am prayerful and we are looking into ways to serve them as a church. And I, we will let you know when we find out. It's been very difficult to, to even get in there yet. But there are people in the Bahamas right now who are suffering beyond anything that we could possibly imagine. So two things I want us to pray for today. I want us to pray and, and give God thanks for protecting us with a heart of gratitude. But I also want to pray for the people who are suffering because of Hurricane Doreen. Um, and so would you join us? And I'm going to ask you, wherever you are, if you want to stand, you can stand. If you want to kneel, you can kneel. I'm going to ask our staff, if you can, to kneel. And just, let's just, our elder Jim Daniels, if he would just pray and uh, get us started. And let's just pray and let's just give God thanks for what he has done and ask for his blessing on these places. Heavenly Father, we are thankful. We are grateful, Lord, that you are in control of 
of all that takes place in this world, Lord. We know, Lord, that you control nature. It is nothing happens, Lord, by chance. It is all in, under your control. The wind and the waves all obey your commands, Lord. And we thank you, Lord, that you spared us through this horrible storm, that you allowed the Hilton Head Island, Lord, to stay intact, that the things that could have destroyed this place or brought it down, Lord, you blessed us. Your grace and your mercy exceeds all that we could ever hope or understand, Lord. But I lift up those people to you, Lord, who were devastated by this. Lord, as they still try to get to areas in the Bahamas, Lord, that are, that are underwater, that are flooded, that are totally destroyed, while they just still discover more people who have lost their lives in this area, Lord. We ask, Lord, that your blessings, for your blessings on that place. We ask, Lord, that you would be a healer in that place. That as Pastor Todd has preached this morning, Lord, that we would be servants to reach out to those people, to reach out to those areas um, that need help, that have no possible way of ever repaying any help that they get, Lord, but that you would use us to be your hands and feet to serve those people in a special way. And I thank you, Lord, that everything that happens, Lord, you still love us, you still care for us, you still want us to recognize you, Lord. And please, Lord, as we move forward with this body, with this church, with the mission that you've called us for, Lord, may your name be glorified in all that takes place through this body. But we give you the thanks, we give you the praise, we give you the honor, and we thank you for all that you do for us each and every day. For it is in the precious name of Jesus, Lord, that we ask these blessings. And Father God, I continue in the spirit of what Jim just prayed. We do recognize that you are sovereign, that you are the God of the wind and the rain and the storm. And God, we are grateful this morning that we're here, that we all are here. God, that it wasn't as bad as they said, that it wasn't as bad as it could have been. And for that, we're thankful and we're grateful. And Father, I almost feel bad about extending that thanksgiving to you because of what we saw in the Bahamas, what we saw on the islands and what we saw in North Carolina. God, I pray in the strong name of Jesus that you would be, as Jim prayed, with those who today are wondering how you could be in control, how you could be the God of the storm and the wind and the rain and the seas because their life has been turned upside down. And I pray in the strong name of Jesus that you would help make sense of all of this. God, I pray for the people in the northern Bahama Islands, God, that you would help them to be able to recover their lives. Father, I pray for those who lost homes, more importantly, lost loved ones. God, I pray for the families who lost family members. 
God, we pray that you would um, send people and resources, perhaps even from here in this place, to help them rebuild. And God, I pray that you would give them hope in the midst of maybe their darkest day. And Father, through all of this, that you would be made great, that your name would be made famous. And God, that people would turn to you. We thank you for this. We thank you so much for today, for life. And God, we thank you so much for Jesus who came to give his life so that we could have eternal life. We thank you for that. I thank you for this leadership team behind me. God, I thank you for this congregation in front of me. And God, may we go from here serving our community with no strings attached, expecting nothing in return. And I pray all of these things in the strong and the mighty, the powerful name above all names, the name of Jesus and all God's people said, Amen. Amen.